You're listening to the Own the Build podcast, where each week, Paul Hemming from C-Link interviews experts on how SME developers and contractors can transform their business through intelligent construction management. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the Own the Build podcast with me, Paul Hemming, and Liam Curley. How are you, Liam? I'm very well, thank you, Paul Hemming. How are you? Pretty good today, pretty good, you know. I can't complain. The The sun is shining a bit. Not much more you can want in your life, is there? No, and you woke up. That helps, yeah, that also helps. And you're wearing a uh, lovely blue shirt today, which is... I feel like we're getting into a bit of momentum with your wardrobe. We're, we're accelerating away from the single shirt format and we've now got a double shirt format. There's two shirts that you pick from for the podcast, which is good. Yeah, by mistake. <laughs> I should have stuck to one. You, yeah, I will be going back to the black shirt. Don't do it. Look, variety is the spice of life, Liam. I like it. Two shirts is, is good. And maybe in a year's time, three. But that's the problem is it start getting out of control. <laughs> anyway... Enough about your shirts, it seems to be what the main content is of this podcast. So today, our episode is titled Building a Project Case, and we are joined by Anthony Adjile Adewu, who is a project manager, a TEDx speaker, and also a mentor on leadership and project management to many in the industry. Welcome to the show, Anthony. Yeah, thanks for that awesome introduction. Um, most appreciated. Thank you. It's easy to in- introduce a man who's got such a pres- impressive resume, isn't it? <laughs> I think so, if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So tell me, Anthony, and tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and, and what you do in the industry. Yeah, thanks so much, Paul. Um, as you mentioned earlier, my name's uh, Idowu Anthony Ajileye. Yeah, you could call me Idowu, you can call me Anthony, whichever is convenient for you. Um, simply put, I'm a project management consultant. I do um, speaking, I do training, and I do coaching. I've come from a civil engineering background, had my degree far back in uh, 1998 or thereabout. And I've been actively involved in the construction industry for well over 20 years, uh, doing project management, done construction management, uh, done HSEQ, done uh, CDM consultancy and the likes. You've done it all. And at the moment, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I've been all around within the industry and that gives me a clear understanding of the different stakeholders within the chain of the construction business so I can effectively interact and offer uh, comprehensive advice um, as a professional. Is that, is that something that you, when you were at the earlier stage of your career and you were a project management professional, did you think you wanted to understand more about those key roles that you're interfacing with throughout the chain and purposefully went out and got those additional bits of skill and uh, experience? Yes, it has always been from the onset because for a lot of my colleagues, after finishing the civil engineering degree, some traditionally would go for a master's specialization in an aspect of civil engineering. But in my own aspect, I did an MBA. So that tells you straight away that I'm more keen and interested in the management side of um, engineering and construction. So, and from there, I started to develop the interest in those areas that I really want to do. 
And uh, because I wanted to have that comprehensive understanding of undertaking various roles um, across different stakeholders within the industry, I got myself certified in health and safety. I got myself certified in construction management, got myself certified in finance, in so many aspects. So if you're saying anything to me, along the construction project management chain, I understand what everybody does because I've got a flair of virtually every aspect of it. Because you're, you're certified in everyone's skill set. That's incredible. This is why I said it's easy to introduce a man <laughs> with such a fantastic CV. Yeah, yeah, you are absolutely like Paul. And, um, <laughs> and one critical thing with construction because of the audience is to do with um, what we call the construction, um, a CDM construction design and management regulations. In the United Kingdom, uh, for those in the industry, we know far back um, 1994, that was when we started what they called CDM 94. And at that stage, they were using what they call planning supervisor as a duty holder within the construction chain. Then subsequently, um, in 2007, that regulation was revised again. We had a CDM 2007, and they basically replaced planning supervision with what they call a CDM coordinator. And at that stage, I did take up the role of a CDM coordinator because I had all the certifications and competence to undertake that duty. And lately in 2015, the, the role of the CDM coordinator was thrown out and they come again what they call a principal designer, which is not really, is a design, not a designer in the sense of designer, but it does most of the CDMC functions. Looking at the entire chain from conception to completion, how health and safety is managed across the design, construction, and eventual submission of health and safety file of every project. And so is that what you're focusing on now with your day-to-day -day work or are you still consulting across various different areas of expertise? The top one is project management. Let me start from that. That is the most important and uh, key one, yeah? And um, so uh, people are very clear. Not every single project manager has health and safety competence. Not every single project manager has a CDM competence. But I just happen to be someone that has been a course and certified in those areas and I'm able to offer the advice. But the key one is project management. And just to quickly mention, a lot of people tend to confuse project management and construction management. They are not exactly the same. Construction management is a subset of project management. So construction management is just focused on delivery itself. But the project management side of things looks at from conception to completion. You're looking at commercial, you're looking at finance, you're looking at risk management, you're looking at planning, you're looking at procurement. There are so many things to it. So if somebody says, for example, I'm a construction manager or I'm a site manager, people tend to loosely think that person is a project manager. It is much more than that. But we'll get into those details later. It's very really interesting you said it because Liam and I have debated what a project manager is versus what a site manager is, what a quantity surveyor is, and really a project manager among uh, dealing with the construction side of things and overseeing the construction and the commercial, the quantity surveyor, is that focal point in, in the project. And it's really interesting that you have said that effectively, as project manager, you see from A to Z, from concept to completion. And I think that segues us quite nicely onto the topic that you wanted to discuss today, which was project business cases, because obviously that is coming right from concept. Could you describe what a project business case is, first and foremost? 
So keep it simple. A Puja business case is simply saying, why do I need to spend this money? That is the first question he's trying to ask. And if I'm going to be spending this money, why should I be spending this money on A instead of B? Or why should I be spending it on B instead of C? It's basically looking at options evaluation and all that. And as we all know, um, there's no bottomless pot of money or a money tree anywhere. Sadly, <laughs> is, very sadly. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's trying to prioritize their resources. So be it within organizations, uh, what we can call client organizations, they, they, are, they are projects competing for resources within the organization. And somebody somewhere within that system has to put a justification forward to the business on why they should invest in a particular project. And similarly, also for an investor, you want to put up a structure, you want to invest in real estate, you have to sort of do your evaluation, have a clear business case. And that's what a lot of the house builders also do. Why should we go for a land in the southeast of England as compared to going for a land in the northeast of England? Within Yorkshire, why should I go to the west, south of Yorkshire or go to the west of Yorkshire? These are sort of business cases that people look at and see the pros and cons and a couple of other things that comes into play. So we'll talk more on those details later, but just simply put, why should I spend this money? And if I'm spending this money, why should it be on A or should it be on B? In terms of... so. I'm thinking of our audience here. I'm thinking of the people listening. So if we have, maybe we've got architects, we've got clients and developers, let's call them uh, clients. We've got contractors, subcontractors. Who, who are you, when you're saying it's so important to do a project business case, who are you really talking to? Who, for who in the, in the stakeholder share is it critical does that business case? Yeah, it's critical for the man that's got the key to the vault, the person that owns the money. <laughs> okay, so the it's, client. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. client. Yeah, but going beyond that also, in some instances also, the client might need the support of any of these stakeholders in building a justification for what they want to spend money on. So that is the way to put it. So, yeah. So it's like, it's kind of what, what a business plan is to, a, broadly speaking, a business, a project business cases to the project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like basically. Yeah, yeah it yeah. is basically, yeah, it's just that basically. And just as I mentioned earlier, you have to, at times, engage with people to be able to put these business cases together on the pros and cons, what are the risks involved, what are the assumptions we are making. And depending on the sector, if you're planning to spend money maybe in the building sector, there are other things to consider. Oh, is it going to be a council that is easy to deal with? What are the chances of getting this or not getting that? Um, what are the possibilities of being able to get them to maybe change their highway design to accommodate a new bus stop at the land location? So a lot of parts will come in in helping build a business case. So it all depends on who needs it. But even if you are not the one spending the money, um, if you eventually be the one um, to get the contract, there's a part you might play in helping in building a good case for the client or the investor or the person that has the money. And and so I'm the client, I'm the one who needs to do the project business case. When should I be doing it in the context of development? Is it on land acquisition stage? Is it pre-land acquisition? How would you advocate to do it? As soon as possible, as early as possible. The moment you start to contemplate in your mind that you want to commit your resources to an investment, you should be doing a business case. It's not capital intensive because you are not building anything yet. 
you are not doing any designs here. You are just putting stuff together based on assumptions, available information. But as you go along down the chain in the project management process, this business case is further refined. But I don't want to go into all those, but that's a separate topic entirely. Yeah, but is that as early as possible? Once you see that one, you feel, I want to spend this money, then how is the best way to spend it? At that stage, you start to build a business case for your investment. And so you'd kind of advocate for kind of having like a structured business case that you always refer back to. And every time you're contemplating spending big money or investing money in, into different projects, you, you're always going back to this business case document and contemplating the contents of it to see, is this the right project to spend the money on or should I be spending money elsewhere effectively? Yeah, exactly. And that's what it is. Yeah. But when you go down the project management chain itself, you're going to see that uh, once you cross that phase of the business case and you start to come to what they call the project management plan, you start to have separate documents looking at maybe procurement, looking at maybe design, looking at stakeholder engagement, looking at uh, different aspects. And um, it will now sit as a live document. And as soon as, at the moment you start to know more, you know more about the design, maybe from the prelim design to the detailed design, or you're trying to go now into the construction delivery, you keep refining this document as you go along. So we see it as a live document from the angle of the project management plan. But the business case is just to kickstart it and get a go-ahead approval for that particular investment. So it's just for the early stages only. Okay, and so at the early stages, what do I need to have in there as a minimum? What like I don't want you to tell me the, the template line by line, but what are the things that I need to be contemplating? Yeah, key and very first one is what is the reason for the project? In a very in a summary fashion, why do I want to do it? <laughs> why do I want okay. to do it? That's quite important. Then the second one would be very important. Yeah, yeah. Second one could be high level description. What am I trying to do? Am I trying to build a bungalow? Am I trying to build a four-story building? So what, am I, what is the high-level description of the works? Then the next one would be, what are the options available to me? That's something key and high-level to consider. You start to talk about again of what you call, what is the benefit of doing this? I'm building, for example, because one way or the other, I'm going to get some good value from the property. I can get tenants in there, or I can sell up and make a margin. So you're looking at the benefits. Then you talk about what is the risk involved in doing it. It's not just about having the resources. Your money may go down the drains if you don't evaluate your risk properly. So you look at things like, what, what is it going to cost me? Because it's all about resources that is available. How much am I going to spend from A to Z? Because if you don't do this high-level business case proposal, you can see yourself starting a project and not being able to finish it. So you need a comprehensive view of the end-to-end -end cost. But going beyond even the end-to-end -end cost of delivery, the longer perspective is what is the whole life cost of this particular project? Because you could build something with 10 million pounds, for example, and it's costing you 1 million pounds every year to maintain it. And you could build something with 1 million pounds and it's costing you 10 million pounds every year to maintain it. So those are sort of the things you're going to, you're going to weigh and all that. Then we are looking at schedule. What is the schedule for this project I'm trying to do? Is it six months? Is it 12 months? Is it six weeks? Is it four weeks? And those are sort of the things that you would um, be looking at also. And you do an investment appraisal, cost-benefit analysis. You look at the constraints for the project. You look at the assumptions on the project. You look at the dependencies and so on and so forth. But just to wrap up, the details of this business case will be commensurate with the complexity of the project. 
is as simple as that. So that is very, very important. There's no point um, introducing bureaucracies when it's not necessary. So it must be commensurate with the complexity. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and that's exactly what I want to talk about in the second half of the show, Anthony. So I will see you after this break. Own the Build is brought to you from our sponsor, C-Link. Software used by developers and main contractors to manage subcontract procurement in one place. Find subcontractors, automate tenders and contracts, control construction program, compare prices, and improve project profitability with C-Link. To find out more, head to c-link.com. Now back to the show. So before the break in the show there, we were discussing building a project business case that is commensurate to the specific project. A lot of the people that will be listening, I believe, are in the SME sphere. So talking about project sizes probably of 5 to 10 million GDV, maybe as kind of like an average, obviously that, that will fluctuate up and down. Do you see the project business case being relevant to these, and I'm going to put these in inverted commas, smaller projects? Absolutely, Paul. It's absolutely relevant, even for a million pounds. Yeah, but uh, as I mentioned um, earlier, a contractor who is going to implement works may not see it as something that they need to do because it's not more about the contractor that wanted to spend the money, but it's more about the person who wanted to make the investment. So absolutely, it is absolutely important for any investment before resources are committed, yeah. And so, so I'm, I'm still the client. I've got my, let's call it a five million pound GDV project, and I want to have this. I love your language. I want to have this commensurate project business case to me. So, how would that look in your mind? Well, it's going to look at um, what exactly the five million pounds can achieve. Yeah. So take, for example, um, you could say five million pounds could um, even maybe not even buy land in a good place in the center of London. <laughs> and five million pounds um, could um, put big structures in place in the north of England. So those are sort of the um, comparables we are trying to look at. As you know, people uh, would have to look just beyond the cost of construction, also the cost of acquisition. So if you're going to be acquiring um, and the entire budget you have is just about enough for land acquisition, then you can't do any project. You see, those are sort of the pros and cons we're going to be looking at and also working with the client to see what they want to achieve in the long run. Somebody could say, for example, oh, I don't want uh, tenant issues and all this stuff like that. I prefer commercial tenants. So let me go for commercial development. So that is an option. Um, somebody could say, well, I don't want to go um, dealing with some um, subsequent maintenance and all this stuff. Let me just build, take the margin and move on to the next development. So it all depends. These strategies varies and all that. Yeah, but because of my own versatility, I'm able to offer the advice um, and the pros and cons of all the options. And once you table the options in front of an investor, then they can have an informed, um, they, they are in an informed position to make a decision on how best to utilize that particular investment. Okay, got you. And, and Liam, is there a question that you wanted to ask? So, yeah, I was going to ask. So, you know, obviously it's clear, Anthony, that it is suitable and advisable for any 
developer client to have this sort of business case but are many small developers your typical clients are they larger developers or do you see a lot of small developers doing this it could it could be either it could be small developers it could be big developers and all that but mainly the person yeah the person copying out the money and all that so it could be either yeah as long as you're willing to make an investment you don't want to lose you need to put a business case together that is the most important thing yeah I understand it could be either, it should be either, but are you finding, because this is, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I've, I haven't heard many small developers talk about this. So do you think a big section of the small developer market is doing this? They, they will be doing it, but they might not call it a formal project business case. Yeah, because nobody would um, uh, would um, put money into anything without doing a comprehensive investigation, detailed analysis of what they want to go into. Even the person trying to acquire a particular property to extend it to the side or convert it from a single unit to a multi-purpose unit or trying to increase uh, floors above a shop or whatever, they'll be doing it one way or the other. Nobody goes in, takes money and starts to spend the money without a plan. Yeah, that would always happen. But for those that are implementing works, it may not be a major concern for them. If you go to tell a mason, for example, or a plumber, they, 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 that's not that's not for them. That's not for them. It's not for them. But basically, the person making the investment decision before they come into the picture will have done that analysis one way or the other. But the beauty of having a professional do it for you is that the comprehensive picture is looked at. It's not just about the cost of materials or the cost of the labor. It's, it's much, much wider than that. You see, somebody doing the works don't know much about regulations. They don't know much about so many other factors that comes into play in the entire chain. And that's why this is important to safeguard your investment. I guess, I guess most of the developers would do a development appraisal of sorts, development by development, which would, I guess, form... A, a similar format to what you're uh, talking about here, Anthony, the project business case. Yes, definitely they will. They will in one form or the other because the background thinking and thought processes about all these investments you see, it's, a lot of work has gone into it. So you ask yourself why would a particular house builder prefer to be in the southeast of England as compared to being in central London? Why do I prefer to be in northeast as compared to being in South Yorkshire? A lot of factors come into play. The cost of development is there, the cost of action is there, how do we manage the processes, how flexible is the local council, if we need to amend existing infrastructure, how available are they to get that happen? It's what I'm saying. All these things come into play at the background. But when all this has been done, they are fine and happy that this is a worthwhile investment. Then they start to bring in the hands-on people, maybe giving a plumbing contract, electrification contract, mason contract. So it happens at the background, definitely. Any investment needs this particular, yes, it needs it. You can't do without it. But just that the level of detail and the professionalism you put to it will determine how what best you get out of the investment. Is it a static document that you create at the start of the project or is it live and do you make changes to it as and when required throughout the project? Okay, that's a very good question. Just as I tried to touch on initially, 
the business case is it's going to be static in nature because it's high level summary of justifying a spend or justifying an investment. But once you go beyond that case of, okay, yeah, this business case looks good, we are going to commit to this particular investment. We're now going to more refined details of what we call a project management plan. A project management plan is a suite of documents whereby you have things like the construction phase plan, you have the health and safety plan, you have the procurement plan, stakeholder management plan, financial plan, and all sorts of plans. And that particular PMP is what I call a life document because construction is not static. Things can change. And as you start to go from the preliminary design to the detailed design, you have more information. You have to start to refine this documentation. But something that is very key, as you are refining this documentation, it has to be controlled. It has to be tracked. And the stakeholders must be kept in the loop of the changes you are making. And you must get their buy-in. That is very, very important. Because if you move from the initial project management plan, which is a suite of documents, and you revise it to something else, it must be in agreement with all stakeholders and necessary sign-offs obtained, such that at the end of the project, you don't have difficulties in handing back the project. Yeah. I, I, I think um, it's interesting talking to you, Anthony, because I think what many developers listening will be thinking is they'll be thinking I do a project business case but it's I call it a development appraisal effectively so that's what I do to appraise the situation and make a business case but and although construction management plans etc etc end up getting done what perhaps doesn't get done which you're kind of advocating for is having this appraisal or business case, whatever you want to call it, that document then starts to evolve and become part of the project management plan as opposed to just being a closed book, the investment is made and now I need to manage it through. So it's it's, it's kind of evolving the appraisal or business case into this project management plan, which is then something that you're cultivating, constantly amending and tweaking, as you say, because A, construction is something that changes so much, but also the environment around what these companies are doing changes so much as well. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Because um, from the concept of the builder, if the builder is just coming in to do construction work, it's a different thing from a builder that is investing itself. You see, you could have a builder whereby they own the investments, they own the construction outfit, and they own everything. Yeah, and you could have somebody investing, and somebody is just a contractor coming in to do buildings. We know the United Kingdom is is regulatory, is absolutely guided by regulations. And um, somebody from health and safety executive can walk into your site and they can ask you questions pertaining to the documentations you have submitted. So even if they've not done a business case or not or whatever, when it comes to those documentations going forward, they will have to put all these things together. It is it is clearly known. Yeah, following it to the latter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Following it to the latter is another kettle of fish entirely because some people could do. They could produce very beautiful documentations and they may not be implementing it exactly as it should be. Yeah. But the funny thing is, if anything goes wrong, if anything goes wrong, all these things will be checked. Because a single accident on site can destroy a company's goodwill. That is one. Then number two, investigations on a particular accident on site can take years. Yeah. Doing things wrongly can end up in millions of pounds in compensation to the injured person, or if there's a fatality or whatever. So there's so many parts to it, you see. So either you're dealing with the council, 
you're dealing with the health and safety executive, there are processes that are lined up for all this documentation. So going beyond causing the case of the business case to, to sort of proceed with the investment, how the process is managed is very important. And there are procedures. I don't want to go into all those, but there are a lot of procedures to follow. Yeah, we know about the F10 notification. You have to notify a project if it goes beyond a particular number of days or number of people on site and all that. You have documents that need to be signed off. You have processes. Even every single activity comes with risk, uh, risk assessment, method statements that need to be signed off by competent people, so on and so forth. A lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's, there's so much to talk about. And I, 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 I really understand now the process that you're talking about and the, the importance of the constant updating and evolution of the document. Liam, you look a little bit pensive to me. Do you have a question? Are you are you thinking anything? Is there anything that, that you want to talk about further? No, no, no that was that was uh, that was all clear to me, to be honest. No, I didn't pull a view. There is one thing that I wanted to um, to ask ask you, Anthony, because I watched your TEDx talk at Imperial College in um, 2015. It was titled uh, "Think Outside the Box and Pay <laughs> and, and Pay the Price," and I really yeah. enjoyed it. Could you just very briefly talk a little bit about this, and we can point people in the direction to go and have a look? Okay. Well, um, in terms of the TEDx talk, I was um, I was invited to speak to this um, lovely. Um, set of people and um, I wanted to give them a flavor of the challenges ahead in terms of as they go into the market, in the job market, or they are going to sectors that are not familiar with them, the sort of challenges that they could come across. And I also spoke a lot to people that maybe they could be immigrants coming to a new system and they are trying to break through into the career path that they actually want. Or take, for example, talking to women, for example, going to the construction sector. If you look at the balance, you can see construction is male-dominated compared to female. And what you need to do to get yourself to find your balance, either you are new into a system or you are going to a sector that is familiar with a particular race or gender or something like that. And I, I try to give them the feel of uh, persistence, um, how not to give up, what um, strategies they can adopt in meeting the right set of people, getting their legs through the door. My own personal experience, what has happened to me, and when I did all the interviews um, wonderfully well, and they told me I knew too much, and I couldn't get a job. <laughs> <laughs> that so, isn't fair, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I, too I, I, much. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it's detailed. It's really good for anyone, either you're a woman going into a sector that is male-dominated, you're new into a particular system, or you're trying to get your first job, how to leverage on uh, professional organizations, how to balance your personal life with your career goals and all that. I spoke about all these things because life is one loop. Yeah, it's one loop. It's one loop. You have to combine everything, yeah. Well, I have to say, it, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching it and um, you're very passionate in it. I can see that you're very passionate about uh, the topic now. And I would suggest that anyone... So what we will do, as always, we'll put Anthony's... Details in the podcast description, including a link to your website, Anthony. On on the website, you can go and have a look. It's it's right on the homepage, isn't it? That TEDx talk. So I would recommend anyone go and have a look at it. And um, thank you so much for coming in, Anthony. As ever, we always feel like the, these conversations could go on for in so much more depth over so much more time because there's so much to them. But I think that was a really good overview, and I definitely have a much better understanding now. So thank you very much for coming in and explaining that to us. 
Thank you, Paul, and, and thank you, Liam, and to the wonderful audience listening. Um, I'm happy to be able to um, share this uh, with the wider people. We become knowledgeable. We learn more from day to day. And if I can be of any help, please feel free. Go to the link. You can find the phone number there. You can find the email there. I'm happy to help in any way I can. Let's have a more project management conscious environment. And let's, yeah, let's get the like best that. out of projects. Yeah. <laughs> I like that a lot. Are you happy with that, Liam? You like yeah, that too? I, I can see you smiling. Thank you, Anthony. Yeah. I am, yeah. Less quantity surveyors, less quantity surveyors, <laughs> more project managers. He snuck it in the world again. World would be a better place, wouldn't it? He manages to do it once every week. He snuck <laughs> in a little jab about quantity surveyors. And on that note, guys, I bid you a farewell. Thanks, Liam. Thanks, Anthony. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.